I'm Shanna Hutchison, dietitian, blogger, and mama, born and raised in the heart of the Midwest. I believe that wellness goes way beyond what we eat and that our body size does not determine our worth. I'm passionate about showing other women how to live a life they truly love, one that feels purposeful, that helps them feel their best physically, mentally, and emotionally, and that being a mom can be one of the best things you ever do without it becoming your entire identity. This is a place you can come to hear vulnerable and interesting conversations about health and wellness, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and more. If you want to find freedom with food, learn how to improve your overall well-being, and stop waiting for a number on the scale to start living your best life and go after your goals, then you're in the right place. I'm so excited to learn and grow together. This is the Wellness for the Win podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Today is part two of my interview with registered dietitian Lauren Twig on all things dairy, nutrition, farming, and more. If you missed part one from last week, be sure to go back and listen to that one. It was packed with so much great information as well. And in part two today, we cover even more hot topics. So what you can expect in today's conversation, we are going to talk about hormones and dairy and meat products and some of the labels that you might see on your food regarding hormones. We talk about A2 milk and we compare organic versus conventional dairy products. We cover some good options for people who have lactose intolerance. We also answer questions like, does dairy cause or worsen things like acne or eczema or other skin conditions? Should you choose low-fat or full-fat dairy? Is dairy safe for our kids? We dive into some additional controversial topics again, of course, such as raw milk and GMOs and more. So you will definitely want to listen to this one. Let's go ahead and just dive right in and continue to learn from Lauren. Gosh, okay. So the next one here is about hormones. So Mm. I know we kind of talked about antibiotics. I think Mm -hmm. hormones are similar on a similar playing field in terms of confusion and fear. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, can you speak a little bit about, I guess you may be again, more familiar with hormones in dairy and beef. Um, So can you kind of speak to that? Like, you know, how are hormones used? Are they used? Is there some sort of withdrawal thing like antibiotics or, you know, tell us all the things about that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, hormones are a very, very hot topic as well. And my number one thing that I would probably want people to know is that if you ever go in to the grocery store, or if you ever see this on a menu where it says this beef is hormone free, that's not true. If it says it's just hormone free, Mm -hmm. there are no foods that are hormone free, Mm -hmm. plants and animals alike. And that Mm -hmm. is not a bad thing. Yeah. Hormones are just chemical messengers in the body. They are primarily made up of proteins. Our body breaks them down. No harm, no foul. And this is true for plants and animals. I always tell everybody if it's had a life, (laughs) it has hormones. Yeah. Just like us. I mean, our, our society currently is obsessed with balancing hormones. So it's like, (laughs) (laughs) let's, let's remember, like we have hormones, they have hormones. They're just something that exists in the body. It's not necessarily a bad word. Yes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And so I like to set the stage with that because I think that it's really scary for people. They're like the hormones, you know, and then you get into that conversation about like, this is why I don't feed it to my kids is because of the hormones. Right. Exactly. Um, And I went out recently to a barbecue place and they said that they had all hormone free meat mm. and that's really not, not true. So did you challenge them? Is, <laughs> no, I thought about it. I did take a picture of it though, and I put it online. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't brave, there you um, go. <laughs> but no. So what it really should say is, you know, from cows not treated with hormones mm-hmm. right? or 
No, you know, like no extra added, hormones. Yeah. No extra hormones. And I think there, the other thing that's important is there is never in both beef or dairy, there are never hormones straight put into the meat. There is never hormones added to the milk. So this is something that would have been given to the animal, mm-hmm. but it's never added directly to the product. And that is also a very, very important thing for people to know, because I've been asked that before. Well, I know that there's a lot of hormones added to my milk. There's not ever. And so animals naturally contain hormones, but then sometimes farmers have, you know, used extra hormones. So in beef, it's to help them grow. Um, and they have done lots of studies and they actually have not found a significant difference in the meat products or the hormone levels from cows treated with a hormone and those not. So I think that's important. And the is same that the RBST, the one that's always on the so label. RBST it's like, it says no dairy. nutritional difference has been. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So RBST is for dairy. What that is. So it is a synthetic version of a naturally occurring hormone Okay. in cows. Um, and it's basically a growth hormone, uh, but it also helps increase milk production. And so back in the late 1900s or really kind of mid 1900s into Getting into late 1900s, dairy farmers would use this with dairy cows to help increase milk production. Like you said, if you see on your label, Mm -hmm. there is no nutritional difference has been found between milk from cows treated and cows not treated with RBST. Mm -hmm. And that is true. But there was a lot of consumer concern Mm -hmm. about it. And so it's been almost entirely phased out. So I actually got asked this that recently, okay, so zero cows are treated with that. And I can't commit to the word zero, mm-hmm. um, but it is absolutely not the majority. Yeah. Um, I know we do not use it on our farm. We actually don't know of anybody who uses it. Um, it is not used really in the U.S. dairy industry at all because we don't need it anymore. Consumers didn't like it. They were worried about it. It was absolutely shown to be safe. Yeah. And it was not shown to change the product at all, but consumers didn't like it. And so that's why farmers got better at feed and genetics and cow care. And Mm -hmm. so now we increase milk production naturally and don't really need the hormone anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. So the products are not hormone free, but we're talking about natural hormones there. Um, And so products from animals that have been treated with hormones have not been shown to have a nutritional difference. They haven't been shown to have a different impact on the health of the body. They haven't been shown to have an impact on the hormone level of the body. So I think it's important to remember what is a hormone and that is that it's all of us have them. They are these chemical messengers that our body really can break down. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we need to lose sleep over, over the hormone content of the food. Yeah, totally. Yes. Amen to that. Super helpful. Let's see. Someone asked, do humans actually need cow's milk or are there Mm. other ways to get the same benefits? And I think that's a great question because, you know, obviously there's people who have allergies or intolerances or, you know, for whatever reason, don't eat dairy or animal foods at all. So um, Mm -hmm. can you kind of speak to that? Yeah. And I actually think that this is probably one of the biggest misperceptions about me (laughs) as an individual Mm -hmm. is that I think every single person needs to have dairy to be healthy. I don't. You don't. Right. You don't. Um, You can absolutely get the nutrition from other foods, Mm -hmm. but I think it will be a lot more difficult. And I I feel that that is 100% true. Um, And that is... From me as a dietitian, that is not from me as a dairy farmer's daughter. Right, right. You know, it is one of the most nutrient dense foods 
that really we have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's incredibly affordable. So one glass yeah. of milk has 13 essential nutrients. Yeah. Three of the four are nutrients of concern, meaning they are nutrients mm-hmm. that we find low in the US population. So right. every year those nutrients change and milk contains three of the current four. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is the top contributor of vitamin D in the diet. It mm-hmm. contributes a significant amount of calcium in the diet. Both of those are incredibly important for growing children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got high quality protein. I also think one thing that I like the most about it is that it's very diverse and can mm-hmm. be paired with a lot of different foods. Yeah. And I think that's really important as we try to start including more plants. Mm-hmm. I grew up eating cheese on my cauliflower. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Yeah. I put milk in my smoothie mm-hmm. and that helps me get more plants. And so do you have to have it to be healthy? No, you don't. But right. you have to have those nutrients to be healthy. I think milk is a great and easy way to get that in. But if you don't want milk because you have an allergy, you don't want to, uh, you prefer to just not include milk in your diet, that's okay. But know which ones milk has mm-hmm. and know where you can get those from other foods in your diet. Yeah, Absolutely. I could not agree more. Like you said, from a dietitian standpoint, encouraging people, obviously, like you said, get plenty of plants in and get variety in the diet, but also recognize, yeah, dairy can be incredibly nutritious, but also very accessible and affordable. And that's what so many people need is affordability, especially again, these days with the price of food is like insane. (laughs) So if you can afford you know, cheese and yogurt and milk and all these different things. And like you said, I mean, it makes, it just enhances the experience of other foods, like, you Mm -hmm. know, adding cheese. I mean, gosh, I add cheese to my eggs like every morning and my son is obsessed with Greek yogurt. And like, that's an incredible source of protein and so many other nutrients for him. So yeah, Yeah. I just, yeah, I think there's, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. We're not saying you need to eat like dairy Mm. a million times a day, (laughs) but can it be a staple in your diet? Of course. For sure. And I think, you know, something that I see a lot and it's something that I talk a lot about whenever I go and do any speaking, I've seen such a trend online where like people make these healthy recipes mm-hmm. and almost all of them are dairy free. And that is what <laughs> yeah. made them healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that there's a lot of danger in that and the way that that meets, um, I'll say consumers, the way that that meets consumers eyes, because what happens is then mm-hmm. anyone who's like, you know what? I've always liked milk. I tolerate it just fine. Right. It's always been a staple in my family's diet, but now I'm realizing that everybody's healthy diet doesn't have dairy in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that a lot of people then jump to, okay, well, in order for me to be healthy, I need to also be dairy-free yeah, and, glu- and gluten-free. They both mm-hmm. go together, right? They yeah. both go well Always. Together. And Always. that's just, <laughs> it's just not true. And that is actually going to omit a lot of really enjoyable foods, um, really, really nutritious foods, really, really affordable foods. And yeah, like you said, foods that enhance other foods. So foods really do act in a synergy with one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And every single food brings its own benefits to the table. And I think dairy products bring a lot of benefits, but we still have to choose to include them. And it doesn't have to be at every meal. Um, It doesn't have to be all day long. Mm -hmm. You know, it's three servings a day, right? Is the recommendation for adults. And so it can be in moderation, but I absolutely think it has a space in a healthy diet if you want it to be there. Yeah, completely agree. And with that, and I know we kind of touched on this a little bit before, do you have any other thoughts on, again, people are wondering, okay, if I am including dairy, should it be organic or does it matter? Any other thoughts on that? You you kind of spoke to saying that either one is fine. 
I think either one is fine. Um, one thing that I do find interesting, and I will tell this to a lot of parents. Um, so there are a few organic milks that have omega-3 added to them, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's nice. But my kid, well, my kid, not yet, but like kids drink a lot of milk, especially if you transition them. And so again, to me, it has to be the one that is affordable. It has right. to be the one that your family enjoys. Um, and it has to be the one that works best for your family at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if that is organic, fantastic. Great. If that is the omega-3 organic, cool. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can also feel 100% confident in that being the big jug of conventional milk. That is yeah. just as safe, just as nutritious. The only difference is how are the cows handled? What yeah. farming practices were used? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, coming from someone who does have a child who he, <laughs> he can kind of do without milk sometimes. Like he, yeah. I don't know. He's like kind of, kind of finicky with it. Sometimes he wants it. Sometimes he doesn't. And, and that's fine because I know again, he's getting those nutrients from other places. He freaking loves cheese again, loves Greek yogurt. So it's Love like, it. I know he's getting the nutrition other places, but anyway, I can say that like buying a thing of whole milk that's like conventional versus the the one that's fortified and all the stuff added. I mean, that's like literally three times the price. So it's very important to consider that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, do whatever feels accessible to you. And like you mentioned before, if it's causing stress, don't like lose sleep over doing the organic, all the things added (laughs) because you can. And like you said before too, like we don't need dairy is not a significant source of omega threes compared to other sources anyway. So that's a whole nother thing. But what about a one milk? I got a couple of questions on that. Um, can you talk about what, or a two? Okay. Yeah. What is that? And how does it compare to regular milk? Yeah. So it's actually really interesting. A two milk is milk that comes from cows that only contain a specific type of casein. Okay. So I'll back up. So you have, (laughs) you have protein in your milk, Mm -hmm. right? Eight grams of protein per eight ounces. That protein in it, it has two main proteins, whey protein. You'll see like whey protein powder, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other protein is casein. Now casein has different makeups. So you can have the A1 beta casein. Most cows make A1, A2 beta casein, all right, which is that casein content of the protein. Okay. In A2 milk, they only make the A2 strand of beta casein, all right? And so it is a fairly new, it's very popular apparently in other countries. Uh, It's pretty new here in the US. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And what they have found is that some people tolerate that type of casein better. Okay. So it's interesting. And I always want the dairy industry to diversify, 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 keep adding more products to the shelves because, you know, people have lactose intolerance and they want more lactose free products or something. And so I am like very pro the idea of A2 milk. Sure. Yeah. I like it. Um, And some people think it tastes better. Uh, Some people find that they tolerate it better. I personally have not found super, super convincing research to pay the price of A2 milk. Okay. That one to me is absolutely going to be a personal choice. Mm -hmm. Organic and conventional, most people like it doesn't come down to can you tolerate that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Right. But if you find that you tolerate A2 milk better, then I think that that makes it a great option. But that is really where A2 milk comes from is that it's from specific cows that only produce that type of casein. And so 
Yeah, some individuals find that it's easier to digest. Nutritionally speaking, it is very comparable mm-hmm. to regular milk. It's just okay. that that casein type is different. Sure. That That's helpful sense? to know. Yeah. 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 And it'll be interesting to see, you know, in the years to come, like what research comes from that. But I agree. Yes. I mean, the more options we have available for people, the better, especially because lactose intolerance is fairly common, um, you know, especially in kind of like older populations. And so, yeah, yeah. having those other things available for people to at least try and experiment with is is always nice. At this point, you've probably heard me talk about the prenatals that I took throughout my pregnancy, but I wanted to share them again because I will be continuing to take them over the next year or more. Nutritional needs are still increased in the postpartum period, and they continue to be increased for those who are breastfeeding. I took full well supplements through both my pregnancies and throughout my whole breastfeeding journey with RET, and I plan to do the same this time around. These supplements were created by a registered dietitian who specializes in women's health and has done so much research in order to create an incredible high-quality product. Fullwell supplements are third-party tested to ensure that they don't contain any harmful contaminants like heavy metals, and I love that they contain evidence-based doses of nutrients and bioavailable forms in order to give both mom and baby the best nutrition possible. I highly recommend their prenatals as well as their fish oil supplements if you're in the market. You can use my affiliate code Wellness for the Win to save on your order. I'll leave a link for you in the show notes. To bounce off of that just quickly, mm-hmm. I think never because lactose intolerance is so prevalent, I think that it's important for people to, people to know what options do I have. Yeah. Uh, so there is lactose-free milk. That is mm-hmm. real milk. Mm-hmm. 100%. It has just had the lactose broken down. So that is a perfect, perfect option for people. A lot of times people can tolerate real milk yogurt uh, mm-hmm. because the bacteria in there have already kind of fed off of that lactose carbohydrate and use that as energy. Uh, A lot of times they can have hard cheeses. They also do sell lactase enzymes in little bottles. I just went out and got dinner with someone who keeps her lactase enzymes on her keys. (laughs) I love that. Um, Which I thought was (laughs) hilarious. That is commitment to uh, including dairy. (laughs) Yeah. She was like, I love charcuterie boards. So I just took it with me. That's hilarious. Um, But then A2, (laughs) it's so interesting. And it's something that I really need to like learn a lot more about as it gains popularity because the difference is in the protein content. Mm-hmm. And yet people with lactose intolerance are saying that they find that they can tolerate it better. And so mm-hmm. then that gets into this whole conversation. Okay. Is it lactose intolerance or is it protein issue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? um, Interesting. But the, the, yeah. The that's that's a good point. Yeah. For A2 milk is actually in the protein. Yeah. So is it like oh, placebo yeah. effect that you're tolerating it better or <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So that is interesting. If, yeah. If lactose intolerance is, is what you're dealing with or what people are dealing with, there are tons of products out there. A2 can absolutely still be one of them. There are mm-hmm. I have lots of people that say they will tolerate it better, but I do find it to have quite a hefty price tag. Yeah. Well, so if the, the difference is the protein, so it has that A2 casein, Versus, is it f- totally free of whey? It still has the whey in it. It just doesn't okay. have the A1 strand of casein. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So yeah, that is tricky then, like yeah. figuring out, you know, why do some people tolerate it different? And maybe it's because of one of those proteins, but yeah. hmm, Which most people, so when you have a true dairy allergy, mm-hmm. the allergy is to casein. Okay. Which is why if you have a true dairy allergy, you have to be 100% dairy free. 
Yeah. It's because of that casein content. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, but like I said, it's definitely gaining in popularity mm-hmm. and in interest and all of that. And I think it's great to have that product on the shelf. I just so far need to learn more about it. Yeah. Same. Honestly, I think yeah. in, in the last year is the first time I heard about it even. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious to see more things to come on that for sure. So speaking of, you know, kind of like alternative milks, Fair Life is a popular one, of course. Mm, you know, that's yes. like considered what ultra pasteurized, ultra high temp. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, any thoughts on that? Like, what are the big differences there? Cause that is lactose free, right? And so, yes. so it's lower in carbs and sugars and things like that. Is that correct? Yes. So, their, so their milk is ultra filtered. Okay. So, ultra it is filtered. ultra high temp pasteurized and ultra filtered, meaning it's essentially more concentrated, which is why their protein content is so high. Got it. So in the United States, most dairy products are pasteurized with high temp, short time, HTST pasteurization. Okay. So you basically just quick heat it up. It inactivates any dangerous bacteria, makes that milk safe to eat. Ultra high temp pasteurization is at a much higher temperature for a little bit of a longer time. Mm. Nope. Let me back up. I think it's for a little bit of a shorter time, but it's at a much higher temperature. Um, so that's what that UHT, ultra high temp stands for. Um, I was actually just reading an article on it this morning about how these writers think that ultra high temp is actually going to become more common. I don't mind it as far as safety goes. It's going to make a safer product because it's at an even higher temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, some people do report that they think that milk tastes a little bit different. I don't notice it really with the Fairlife product. Mm-hmm. They do find slight nutritional differences where it kind of lowers a few of the vitamins and minerals being at such a high temperature. So they don't really see a huge difference in nu- nutritional content between raw milk and high temp short time pasteurized milk. Mm. There's not a super significant difference in nutrition there, but at ultra high temp, that is at a much higher temperature. Um, and so it's going to be slight changes, but is it significant? Um, probably not. And so I don't really care, or I don't really have a problem with ultra high temp products. Um, I love the fair life product personally. I think it's awesome. I think it works great for a lot of people. It's got that high protein. It has lactose free mm-hmm. and it Ultra high temp also makes uh, your product much more shelf stable and it has Mm -hmm. a much longer shelf life. And so Mm -hmm. I think in that, that's also a huge plus. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Those are all good points. Yeah. Because I knew it was like high protein, low sugar or lower carb and stuff, but I didn't realize some of those other components. So that's helpful to kind of know. We got some questions too on... And I've actually seen you post about this dairy and acne and Mm -hmm. eczema. Are there links between those things? And if so, you know, what is, I guess, what does the research say on some of those skin conditions relative, relative to like dairy intake? Yeah. So dairy always gets linked with acne always. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of that does go back to that hormone conversation. And so being fully transparent, when I was pregnant, I got the worst skin. Mm -hmm. Skin. That was my number one pregnancy symptom. And so Mm -hmm. I now totally understand the desperation to clear people's skin up. I get it. Yeah, totally. I totally get it. And so on the dairy front, I think first and foremost, it's it's important to know that it's very hard to link acne with one single food. 
Right. Um, yeah. There's so many factors. So many factors that come into play with your skin health. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's easy for me to be like, okay, I wonder if it's the dairy that gave me acne, right? But I was also pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Um, so I, I just think that's important. And that's been a huge issue to overcome as far as research goes. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the studies that have been done on dairy and acne are actually observational studies, self-reported. And so it's a little bit hard to draw a conclusion, but from those, they do kind of say, yeah, you know, there does seem to be a little bit of a link with dairy and acne, especially for individuals who had acne before. So dairy doesn't seem to drive new cases of acne, but it can contribute to existing acne, if that makes sense. Hmm. They found that mainly in low fat milk and skim milk, Hmm. not in whole milk. Interesting. Okay. And not in dairy products like yogurt. Hmm. So that's when I get asked about acne, that tends to be actually my first recommendation. Again, as somebody who totally understands wanting to clear your face up. Mm-hmm. I always recommend first try switching to a fuller fat product, mm-hmm. then try lowering servings. Or some people will cut it entirely and see if it helps. I say, give that six weeks. Yeah. And if you don't notice a big, big change, dairy has not been 100% proven to cause acne. And mm-hmm. so a lot of it is observational studies. There are people who will experience their skin clearing up, or there will be people like me who don't. Yeah, totally. And as again, as dietitians, you know, we're always going to be in favor of whatever you feel is best for you, you know, experiment with whatever you want to and yeah. yeah, And, and give it time and see, see if you notice a benefit. If you do awesome, if you feel better making certain changes, great. And if not, don't like force yourself to, you know, restrict all these things that you don't have to. So yeah, that's helpful to know. Yeah. If you don't notice a big difference, don't leave it off the plate. Exactly. I just did a an interview with a lactation consultant and we kind of talked about the protein, uh, you know, dairy intolerance or whatever allergy for breastfed babies, you know, cause so yes. many moms are told that they need to cut dairy out. And that's kind of similar where it's like a lot of times it's not necessarily needed. And so many moms are like killing themselves to, you know, yes. completely change their diets and restrict all these things. It's like, Oh my gosh, Ugh, it's just one of those. Yeah. It's just hard to, so hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that kind of sparked my, a thought that I had too on another question. I feel like there's so much like confusion as well on full fat versus like skim and low fat mm. products. Like yes. these days, I feel like there's a push now for only full fat dairy. And we personally only like these days we only buy full fat stuff because a, like I, again, I have a a kiddo who needs that fat. It's good for their brain development as little ones. Um, and it tastes better and you know, we, we enjoy the taste and you know, there's, there's lots of great benefits of that, but obviously there are certain people who need fat-free products or, you know, there's, there's a wide range of needs. So Mm -hmm. any thoughts on like the nutritional differences between these products, like, you know, I I think people these days are like skim milk is bad and, you know, skim low fat products are horrible (laughs) for you. And it's like, you know, in certain cases like yogurt, for example, maybe sometimes they do add extra sugars or things to compensate Mm -hmm. for the lack of fat but it's not always automatically quote unquote bad. So can Mm -hmm. you kind of talk about that a little bit more? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So you will go to the grocery store and you will see four products. Basically it's non-fat milk, 1%, 2% whole milk. And so the main difference between those four things is going to be found in the fat content and the total calories. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing that will be found different is that in non-fat milk and 1% milk, so non-fat and then low fat or 1%, you are going to have vitamin A added to those. Mm. So milk naturally contains vitamin A. Vitamin A is a fat soluble vitamin. And mm-hmm. so as you remove the fat, you do take out some of that vitamin A. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they add it back in, back up to the naturally existing levels. All milk is fortified with vitamin D. So all of it has vitamin D added. So that's really the difference is all of them just have different fat levels. And as you remove fat, you're going to lower the calories. So you're also going to find non-fat milk is going to be about 70 calories per serving all the way up to whole milk. That's about 150 calories per serving. And to Mm -hmm. me, that's really where a lot of the conversation comes in. Mm -hmm. There's tons of research coming out now on whole milk, whole milk products. Um, And I think it's awesome because I think there's tons of people who cut dairy out because they didn't like skim milk. Mm-hmm. And that's what the dietary guidelines said to have, you know, yeah, yeah. Skim milk and they're like, it's water. So I'm not going to have it. Um, <laughs> and the reason why it was omitted is because of the saturated fat content. But what they are finding is that dairy products are an incredibly diverse food in itself. And mm-hmm. even the fatty acid profile, yes, it has saturated fat, but there are so many di- different types of saturated fat of different chain lengths of different saturation levels, right. all of this. And they're finding that that actually doesn't impact heart health as much as we once thought it did mm-hmm. when it comes to dairy. So I'm not saying that for saturated fat as a whole, right? coming specifically from dairy products, there are also all of these nutrients like calcium and mm-hmm. magnesium or things like that, that play a role in heart health. Mm-hmm. that could be counteracting some of that saturated fat. It's called the dairy matrix, how all these nutrients play together. So which one do I recommend? I recommend the one that you enjoy. And I know mm-hmm. that that's been my answer for a lot of things. And you will notice a theme, pick, yeah. the, one that work, pick the one that works for you. And so, yeah. yeah, I think for people who um, are really, really trying to keep their saturated fat low, maybe low fat is kind of what you go for. Uh, for people who really want to watch the added sugar content, diabetics or just in general, anyone wanting to watch added sugar, keep an eye on that. I find that both low fat or non-fat and whole milk yogurt all can have added sugar in them. So really right. most important thing there is take a peek at the label. Yeah. Um, I think for anyone who's trying, you know, really, really hard to stay in a calorie controlled diet. Mm-hmm. If you are a huge yogurt eater or milk drinker, maybe a lower fat product is the one that works for you and helps you stay within a good calorie controlled diet. But there are tons mm-hmm. of benefits. I personally use a lot of whole milk products. Part of that is on that acne front. Mm-hmm. I switched to whole milk. I used to drink 1% and now I switched to whole milk to see if that would help my own skin. I also find it to be a lot more satisfying and a lot tastier. Yeah. Yeah. So I picked the one that worked for me, um, but all of them are safe. All of them are made out of milk. Really the difference is in that fat content and then overall calories because of it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I'm glad I remembered to to ask that because I feel like that's a, another confusing one for people these days. Yeah. And we kind of touched on this briefly earlier as we've, you know, navigated a lot of these topics, but just dairy for kiddos again is kind of controversial and people are like, I'm in like different breastfeeding groups and stuff with moms and, and there's a lot of fear about like introducing milk. And even, you know, as, as someone who breastfed for like 15 months, you know, I was even like anxious about that transition. And like, even though he had been eating like Greek yogurt and all these things and he had had milk before, it's just different, you know, it's, it's just Mm -hmm. a, a different thing to introduce to them. And um, clearly I'm pro dairy. <laughs> you know, we eat a lot of dairy over here, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, people are just confused and concerned about giving their kiddos dairy. 
Um, and again, I think it goes back to that hormone thing mm-hmm. more than anything and, and the antibiotics, which we kind of touched on both. But any thoughts on, you know, is there any reason why we should not give dairy to our kids? <laughs> no, I think I think aside from a dairy allergy, no, I really I really the answer for me is no. And I get it. I clearly I'm also pro dairy and I was nervous. I was nervous. Yeah. Nursing. I was nervous introducing Greek yogurt. Mm-hmm. Dairy allergies do happen. Yeah. They're very common and I think that's okay. So I think if you are nervous about it, take it slow. Mm-hmm. Go at your own comfort level. But introducing those allergens early yeah. is important. Yep. Right. They recommend doing it with peanuts and peanut mm-hmm. butter. Yep. So dairy should be navigated the same way. I do find that a lot of people are like, I was so scared to do it that I just never did. And now my kid won't have it. Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of benefits in including dairy early on as you feel comfortable. I don't think it needs to be anything that needs to be rushed. Um, it can be taken slow little bits at a time, but those nutrients in milk, especially the calcium, especially the vitamin D, the phosphorus, all of that is so, and the protein, mm-hmm. so, so, so important for growth and development. Yeah. And yes, they can absolutely get those things from other places. But what if you're dealing with a picky eater who will yeah. only eat this a little bit, right? Uh-huh. The most important thing is, okay, how can I get as many nutrients as I can into like three bites? Mm-hmm. And dairy will help parents do that. Totally. You know, yeah. It really has a lot of bang for your buck. And so I think once you can get past the myths that you've heard, and mm-hmm. hopefully this will help with that. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of benefits, especially for kids. And like you mentioned earlier, the fat content for their brain and all of that. So it really is great for them if you feel comfortable with it. Um, Can they get the nutrients from other things? Yes. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have to be a lot more, I guess, on top of it and aware of, okay, what nutrients would would they be missing out on? Taking a quick break to tell you about one of my sponsors, Kemp's, the makers of so many great dairy products, including the delicious and kid-friendly Smooth Cottage Cheese. That's right, I said Smooth Cottage Cheese. So picture a creamy texture just like yogurt. My two-year-old Rhett absolutely loves it and actually thinks it is yogurt, and Ethan and I love it too. If the texture of cottage cheese has ever held you back from reaping the health benefits of it, you have to try this. We just discovered Kemp's Smooth Cottage Cheese earlier this year, and it has quickly become a staple in our household. If you have a toddler or young kids, you know that it can be a challenge at times to get meaningful nutrition in them at meals and snacks. I can always count on Rhett devouring the entire cup, and as a dietitian and a mom, I love that these offer a whopping 10 grams of protein per serving, as well as probiotics to support gut health, and they are made with real fruit. They have yummy flavors like strawberry, strawberry banana, and mixed berry. And each flavor has fun characters on them that your kiddos will know and love, which is always a nice bonus. If you are in need of some more quick and convenient options to incorporate into meals or snacks that your kids will actually like, you have to check these out. I'll leave a link for you in the show notes if you want to learn more or see if you can find them at a Walmart store near you. Enjoy. Totally. Yeah, and I think I think it's so common for people to struggle with meat with their little ones, especially when they're super little and you're, mm-hmm. you're just trying to get, you know, figure out safe foods for them to, to chew and swallow and things like that. And dairy can be such an incredible option for that too. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, there's certain days, you know, Rhett is a toddler now. So there's days that he eats awesome and other days where he eats like hardly anything. But if he eats a fourth or a half cup of whole milk Greek yogurt, I'm like, dude, he just got a great amount of protein, got some good fat, and he loves to mix it with like this homemade berry jam I make. And I'm like, boom, good enough, (laughs) you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Small wins. Yes, it is. Like you said, I mean, it's just 
you get a lot of nutrients in that little cup. And I think that that yeah. can actually relieve a lot of stress for parents who, when mm-hmm. we worry, like we were talking about, oh my gosh, is my baby getting enough? Like, are they hungry? Are they not hungry? Right. Am I feeding them enough? Are they growing? All of that. Like to me, that actually can take a little bit of the worry off the plate. Like, you know what? Okay. They didn't eat a ton, but they did have that Greek yogurt earlier. And like, yeah. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so true. Perfect. Love that. Okay. Of course, a big one. This was actually probably the most popular one in the question box. So I saved the best for last, but raw, raw milk, (laughs) (laughs) raw milk, you know, that's what we're seeing all over the gram, especially from people who who are like shirtless making videos. Um, so tell us about raw milk and is it, is it safe or is it just a trend? Are there any actual benefits of it? What are the risks? All the things on raw milk. (laughs) Y'all. Just don't, just don't, <laughs> please, really, truly. Um, and I, again, grew up in an ag area. I grew up where lots of families drink raw milk. Mm-hmm. I didn't, but lots of families do. First and foremost, is raw milk healthy? Yeah, it's milk. Yeah, I guess okay. too, it might be helpful to rewind and say, okay, what exactly is raw milk compared yes. to what we drink? Okay, yeah. Back up. So raw yeah. milk is what is going to be the milk that comes straight off the dairy. So in a general flow, you milk your cows. It all goes into this giant pooled tank. It gets put onto a truck that goes to a milk processing plant where it's pasteurized and homogenized. Okay. Um, homogenized is just where the fat particles are basically dispersed evenly into the milk. And that Generally, if you were to not homogenize it, which this is totally not about raw milk, but if you were to not <laughs> homogenize it, it would separate into cream at the top. Okay. Um, yeah. So we started homogenizing it because a lot of consumers didn't like to see the cream separate. Sure. Um, so that just keeps it like that nice consistency. It always mm-hmm. looks white, all of that. But then it will also be pasteurized. Pasteurized is just when you heat treat the milk in order to lower any bacterial activity. Um, potentially harmful bacteria. You kill them, lower the the activity so that it is safe for us to consume. Mm-hmm. That is what pasteurized milk is. And that is what is going to be sold in the store. So raw milk is actually illegal to be sold across state lines hmm. because it is a food hazard. Interesting. So you can find it at like farmer's markets and stuff, but you're mm-hmm. actually not allowed to like sell it across the country. Hmm. And I think that's really important to think about. So All that raw milk is, is the milk that hasn't been pasteurized. So it would be like basically what came right out of the cow. Is it healthy for you? I always tell everybody, yeah, it is. I'm not going to argue anybody on that point. It is milk. Yeah. Have they found any huge nutritional differences between raw milk and pasteurized milk? No, they haven't. Aside from vitamin C content, which again, Mm. are we drinking milk for our vitamin C? (laughs) Right. No, No, we are not. (laughs) But vitamin C is a very picky vitamin. Is not a very stable vitamin and it basically gets destroyed by everything. So yes, the heat does lower vitamin C content, but it goes from negligible to negligible. Like it, mm-hmm. it you know, um, what are the risks? Bacteria. Yeah. It's a food safety hazard. And so mm-hmm. I think especially for, I see a lot of pregnant women doing it and I just am like, it's not the time. It's right. not the time. I never recommend it for anybody, but especially for anyone who is immunocompromised, Mm-hmm. pregnant or a child. Yeah. Where getting one of those foodborne pathogens, like that can be devastating for people. Right. Um, and so that is the risk. And, you know, 
in the United States, our food supply is very, very safe. But to me, I'm like, when I can make it safer, I do. And that's why I choose pasteurized, especially because there hasn't been any big nutritional difference shown between the two. People Mm -hmm. love to talk about the the bacteria in Mm -hmm. raw milk. Not all bacteria is probiotic bacteria. There is bacteria. Yeah. It doesn't all have the same gut health benefit that we all love to talk about. Mm -hmm. And there have not been shown raw milk has not been shown to have probiotic strains of bacteria. Hmm. So to me, it is absolutely a trend. Is it healthy for you? Yes. And you might go your entire life drinking it and not have a problem. But I always tell this story and my brother-in-law told me I'm allowed to. My (laughs) brother-in-law drank raw milk one time and went to the ICU. Oh, wow. With with listeria. So it does happen. Oh, wow. And farmers are so clean. They do the best that they can, but the reality is, is it's an animal that lives outside. And so yes, bacterial contamination can happen. And mm-hmm. so to me, I think the risk is not worth it. And that is why I recommend pasteurized. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. so good. I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to just take that clip and <laughs> say Can't people... wait for everyone to come at me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. and, and again, you know, obviously do what you feel comfortable with, do what yes. you want to do but know the risks. I think it's just important to be informed because again, you're, you're seeing messages on online that are saying that it's perfectly safe, perfectly healthy, you know, all these amazing things without presenting that information. And so it's just important to, to be informed. Um, so I appreciate you kind of speaking on that. And then lastly, another one that's kind of unrelated, but I just didn't know where else to stick it was GMOs. Mm, (laughs) Um, so, and that's a whole loaded topic. So we don't have to go super deep in because I know I've already taken so much of your time. No, sorry. I'm a, I'm long winded. No, no, I've loved this. I'm like, I could talk about this forever. And I, this has literally been like my favorite interview because I think it's so important. Yes. I think this will be very well received and people will be so, so grateful. So thank you seriously for all your, all your time and your information. (laughs) Um, but yes, do you mind kind of diving into GMOs a little bit and explaining what they are? Are they harmful? Do we need to buy all non-GMO things or what? (laughs) Yeah. So GMO stands for genetically modified organism. And one thing that I think is really important is when you go to the store Literally every single package has non-GMO printed on it. Every single package. There are only 11 GMO crops in the United States. Only 11. And then there is technically 12 GMOs. One of them is a salmon. Hmm. That was just approved. All right. So actually the list of foods that can be genetically modified is very, very small, despite the excessive marketing that you will see in the store. Yeah. And so what is a, what are GMOs? They are plants or an animal, but mainly plants that have had some of their genes altered through technology in order to produce a desirable trait. So for example, a lot of GMOs have been created to be more drought tolerant. Mm-hmm. GMOs have been created to be pest resistant. Do you remember learning about golden rice with vitamin A? Oh gosh, vaguely. Okay. That's a GMO. Okay. And that was used to combat vitamin A deficiency. Mm. So GMOs have been created to have positive effects. Right. We have been pursuing desirable traits and the goal is to reduce loss. Mm-hmm. Exactly. To and become more efficient, like you said before. Become more efficient. A hundred percent. To me, it is the exact same conversation as pesticides. Right. What is the research on them? There have been numerous studies, 
hundreds of studies done on GMOs that have all found them to be safe. Mm -hmm. They do not find there to be any negative health impacts from genetically modified organisms. What about animals? So in an organic farming situation, you are not allowed to feed GMOs. GMOs aren't allowed in organic crop production. Cattle can only eat organic crops. So one thing that I talk a lot about is that if an animal were to eat a GMO, corn, for example, that cow does not become genetically modified. And that's what I actually, I find a lot of people do think that, okay, well, if they eat something that's genetically modified, now the cow is genetically modified. They have found zero difference in cows that are fed genetically modified crops and cows that are not fed genetically modified crops. Hmm. So those are what GMOs are. There is a lot of research on them showing their safety. I do think that people will always be hesitant, obviously, as we intervene more on our food. And I think that's okay to be, um, to ask questions and to want to learn more. Um, But we have, are predicted to have 9 billion people on this planet in 2050. That is the predicted population. Mm -hmm. That is a lot of mouths to feed. And so we have the ability to do more with our food in a safe way. Right. And that's what I I 100% think GMOs are going to be part of the future. Mm -hmm. And they've already shown the thing about them is that they are environmentally friendly. Like they have less waste. They require less water. uh, They require less pesticides to be sprayed because they are pest resistant on their own. And so there are a lot of benefits to them. Uh, I think that they will be part of the future. I don't think that there's something to fear at all, but that is what a GMO is. I don't think they need to be avoided. But again, it is going to be the answer that we've said the whole time. What do you feel comfortable with? I think knowledge is power. And you should always be able to make your food purchasing decisions based off of facts and not fear mongering that you've seen from shirtless guys at the grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like, why are we so like, we're so excited to see like technology advances in like so many other areas. But when it comes to our food, we are so nervous. And again, it's like, we're putting stuff in our body. I completely understand, you know, people want to feel safe and they want their kids to feel safe and all of those things. But like, just knowing that again, you know, the farmers are eating this stuff themselves. So <laughs> again, they're not like out to get us and out to harm us all and like kill humanity. Like they're, they're literally, again, they're wanting to improve systems and processes in order to benefit the environment and benefit all of us. And you know, produce more with fewer resources. It's just like, it's like a win-win. So yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a very misunderstood concept and GMOs just like sounds like a scary, like alien term or something. It does. I'm kind of like, I feel like we need to call them something else. Yeah. (laughs) They are what they are, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. These are our friends. Yeah. Yes. I think that's really helpful just to kind of break it down and talk about, okay, what's the purpose of them? And again, the fact that there's only so many things that can actually be GMO. Like you said, they're slapping non-GMO on labels of things that couldn't even be a GMO if they wanted to. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. I know it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. It makes people extra confused for sure. Oh my gosh. This has been, like I said, so good. I feel like 
it was really helpful for me too, Good. just to have some reminders on things, but I think people are just going to be so appreciative of this information. And I don't think we missed anything. Is there anything else that you can think of that you're like, no. this is I think important. You hit everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think we literally touched on every possible topic. So that was amazing. Yeah. Um, so please tell me or tell everyone where they can find you. Cause I know people are going to be excited to learn more from you and possibly yeah. like work with you if that's an option. Um, so tell us all the things. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. So I mainly work on Instagram nutrition at its roots and it is, I, I really need to change my handle. It is nutrition <laughs> dot at dot it's dot roots. Um, I always tell everybody that and they're like, yeah, I couldn't find you. So that's really where I do the bulk of my work. And like, I love to talk to people. I run my page all on my own. So like, if you get a message from me, or if you have a question, I try super hard to get back to people, um, because I understand that people want to know, and it matters to me that I answer you, especially if you're taking the time to ask. And so, um, you can follow me online. If you want to look at my website, it's just www.laurentwignutrition.com. Um, so yeah, I'd love to talk with some new people and get some new questions. I think it'd be super fun. Um, but yeah, most of what I do is online on Instagram. Awesome. Yes, you do an awesome job of of educating people and you that's exactly why I reached out to you because you have, you know, again, you have so much knowledge but you're also you have a great approach and that you like have compassion for people and you're not like elitist, you know, like this is what you should be doing. Yeah. You know, you kind of tie in that food freedom intuitive eating kind of aspect with you just want to empower people. Like you said, knowledge is power and we should be informed on how we're fueling our bodies, but we should also give ourselves grace and know that we don't have to be like perfect hundred percent of the time to be healthy. Um, I so I feel like agree. we have a lot of overlapping kind of approaches in terms of nutrition. And I just really yeah. appreciate your approach and I will, I'll link everything in the show notes for people so they can just like click right on it and don't have to Great. type in all the dots. <laughs> all my dots. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it'll be super easy to find you. And yeah, just cool. thank you again so much. This was awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some tips or wisdom that you can apply to boost your health and happiness starting today. If you did, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review to help other women like you find my show and get inspired to start living a life they love. Also, take a quick screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me at wellness for the win so I can see why you love today's show. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.